I will always remember the nightmare of 9-11. If you lived through that darkest of days, I imagine you will never forget it either. I was a high school senior visiting my best friend at the time. We were playing baseball on his N64 before the day's activities. His mom came into the den and told us to switch over to the news. Something terrible had happened in New York City. Over the next few hours, we were both spellbound and heartbroken. No foreign power had attacked the continental U.S. in nearly 200 years. Yet I, and hundreds of millions around the world, watched as the Twin Towers collapsed and Manhattan became a war zone. Overnight, almost every major city discovered some reason or another to fear a terrorist attack, and the subsequent anthrax scare didn't help matters. Like many others, I had been raised to believe America was untouchable to her foreign enemies. Before 9-11, an American had no reasonable fear of invasion like someone living in parts of Europe, Africa, or Asia. But Osama bin Laden convinced us on that dark day that the world's largest superpower was profoundly vulnerable to 19 men with box cutters and rudimentary flight skills. For the first time, my generation learned the definition of a national disaster. The story of Daniel begins under similar circumstances. The nation of Israel was nowhere near the world superpower America was on 9-11, but what happened to her was just as unthinkable to her citizens. John Goldengay says Jerusalem's destruction was potentially as devastating for Judah's self-understanding as it was for its bricks and mortar. Whenever God's prophets had warned that Babylon would bring disaster on the holy city, such a scenario had been unbelievable. The people taunted and derided those men who dared repeat Yahweh's warning. Jeremiah complained, You pushed me into this God, and now I'm a public joke. They all poke fun at me. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7 On another occasion, and just a few years before the events of Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Jeremiah was almost executed for his treasonous preaching. The Israelites disregarded the prophetic warning because they could not bring themselves to believe that God would allow His temple and throne to be destroyed. Was He not protective of His dwelling place? Had He not relented and preserved the city in the days of Hezekiah? Would He not honor His covenant with David? Though He was God's spokesman, I can appreciate why Jeremiah's preaching was considered by some to be both treasonous and blasphemous. Old Testament historian John Bright concludes, Elevated by theological optimism, the nation marched toward tragedy confident that the God who frustrated Sennacherib would frustrate Nebuchadnezzar also. But disaster, not deliverance, awaited Israel. Disaster can undermine faith in God, but so can disorientation. Daniel and his three friends were uprooted and transported to an exotic metropolis 500 miles away from home to serve in the king's court. Given their young age and immersion into a pagan, libertine culture, conditions were ripe for these young men to jettison the values of their godly upbringing. Where had devotion to God gotten them, after all? Like disaster, disorientation can lead to spiritual rebellion, both can become the breeding ground for disappointment with God. This isn't the life I wanted. I never dreamed this would happen. Why do I feel so alone?
I wish things would go back to the way they were. Why do I feel so unsure about everything? In these moments, we're tempted to abandon our reliance on and allegiance to God. The frustration is simply too great. But the example of Daniel shines like a brilliant lighthouse in a furious storm. Even at a young age, Daniel trusted God and knew he was in control. Instead of making things happen for himself, Daniel knew that the path to success in any set of circumstances is through resolve, not rebellion, conviction, not compromise.